Welcome to the Doing Good Business Podcast, designed to bring out the best in you and your organization. I'm Laura Heacock, a leadership coach on a mission to create a culture where business is the true balance of head and heart. I work with leaders and companies on how to leverage my brand of kindness to gain powerful results. And I'm Kelly Stewart of The Positive Business, helping you shift conversations to identify what works and find ways to build on that success with people, planet, and profit in mind. The Doing Good Business Podcast is the place to learn about transformational leadership qualities and purpose-driven business practices that are essential to success in today's modern market. You can make the world a better place through business, and the business case for that starts now. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Doing Good Business. Kelly and I are so happy to be back on your device. I almost said radio. I'm going to date myself. Kelly, you can laugh at me later. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Well, we are super excited today. We have a wonderful person who actually caught my eye probably well over a year ago. Um, I will let her introduce herself to you, but we have Alice Carolina here all the way from Canada. Welcome to the podcast. Alice, please share uh, who you are in this world with our guests. Hi, thank you. Um, I am a brand purpose strategist in my own business, and I have created a movement uh, called the Ethical Move, the Movement for Ethical Marketing. So that those are my two big chunks of time. Yeah, we love anything, you know, so I will share with folks what really caught my eye. And Alice, I wish I could remember where I initially found, um, you know, stumbled on your website, but the ethical move really caught my eye. And I think back when I initially saw it, you know, again, it was probably over a year, maybe even two ago. Um, the main focus of it was ethical pricing. And so I've always been someone that's like, I don't get the psychology behind the 97, the 99. It's always been something that's just kind of annoyed me. I'm like, it's, it's 500 bucks. It's not 499. It's not $4.99. It's $500. So I know that was iterations ago of the ethical move, but you know, tell me how you got started. Tell me your founder's story. Like for me, it's been an annoyance and for you, you're turning it into a movement. So share a little bit more. I love that. An annoyance. Yeah, I know. Me too. Um, It probably started as that. (laughs) Um, Well, my background is in communications and working in agencies. Um, I originally started even as a designer back when I was still a teenager. Um, And over the course of my time in that sphere, um, I noticed just a lot of um, manipulative manipulative practices that, um, that just seemed to really incite people to buy stuff they didn't need or um, to feel unworthy or needing, needing to fill a gap that actually didn't exist in real life. Um, And it actually turned me off from the entire industry. Um, And within that process, I had a chance to, I took a break from my schooling at the time and uh, had a chance to live in Bolivia for a while in La Paz, the, um, the biggest city in Bolivia. This was in 2001. So um, it's, it's probably changed a lot since then, but uh, what really, sort of caught my eye at that time was um, the immense inequality that happened right in front of my eyes. It was probably the most visceral experience of just seeing how destitute 95% of people are uh, versus this like 5% of predominantly white (laughs) rich folks in uh, gated communities. And I was staying uh, with a family member at the time 
who is, um, I'm originally Swiss, so she's a Swiss woman who married a Bolivian man, and I lived in a gated community, and I just could not get over the fact that I had to walk past an armed guard <laughs> into the ghetto outside and was immediately followed by, you know, sort of sinister characters and street dogs, and it just, it just, the whole thing just completely broke my brain, um, and I never really got over it, uh, and I sort of came came into, well, I thought at the time that I could maybe find some sort of relief work organization that I could participate in, or I met lots of people who worked in uh, children's homes and, you know, working with orphans. Um, but none of it really worked for me because I always felt like we were just treating or like putting a Band-Aid on something that was just continuously going to happen. And mm -hmm. it never really actually solved the problem. So it felt like if we build another school or another well, or if we bring some rice, it's just never really going to address the underlying cause. And therefore, it's never actually going to fix anything. And then I got disillusioned. I think a decade later, I was still disillusioned by my research um, and um, spent some more time actually in different sort of communication schooling and uh, sort of like meandered my way through lots of travel and educations and things like that, and still coming to the same result time and time again. And when I finally sort of decided to start my own business because of not being able to actually work within an agency without having my hackles up, um, I realized that the online world was doing the exact same thing that we were doing back in, I don't know, the 90s with just like a different flavor and a lot more rampant and a little more like wild west because there was no actual regulation or legislation, anything that would sort of like restrict the way that people were doing marketing online. And I think that just sort of, it just bothered me a lot um, as you can probably imagine because I didn't want to build, I didn't want to have to be part of the fray and start <laughs> building my business around structures that were clearly outdated to my mind and were actually contributing to as I said to this consumerism that in the end to me, like if you follow the money and go down the supply chain, like it really supremely harms the exact people that need help the most. And it felt like it just like the whole thing. I'm just part of the cheat code again. Um, and I didn't mm -hmm. want to be. And so that's where my annoyance, <laughs> my anger at the lack of ownership and the lack of knowledge, really, like just thinking, what the heck? Like, has nobody learned this yet? <laughs> like, does nobody, <laughs> why is nobody talking about this? Because it's so vile and it makes people feel awful on the giving and the receiving end. Like, it just isn't right. It just isn't sustainable or, or, or positive. And it felt like it was just all a big money making machine and I couldn't be with it. And so that's when. I decided to what originally was called brands with integrity where I wanted to create a badge for brands that were doing things right. And then I'm like, well, that's not really measurable. Like what is right and what is wrong. And then we get into a whole, right. you know, area that doesn't really exist. Um, and qualifiers that don't really make sense or can't be measured. Um, and then over time, I just, um, I don't know, it probably was through conversations with people or things that I read. I just decided, you know what, we need a standard. <laughs> that's it. That's the long and short mm. of it. And the only sort of clear tactic that I could see at the time that was black and white, clearly manipulative was um, charm prices. So really seeing how everybody was using 297. Yeah, as you said, 499. And particularly for the smaller products, uh, which are called tripwire products, um, mm. just wow. creating that like entry level sort of easy price that would make people buy and then they want to buy more because once you buy, you want to buy more. And 
yeah, I just wanted to put a stop to, or at least make people think. It wasn't even about, it wasn't even about changing the entire system. Um, it was just about having people go, wait, what? <laughs> There's a different way of doing it. Um, and that's how it sort of started. And then we sat with it for a few years and then finally just updated and added a series of tactics to that, which um, really sort of enhance our pledge and actually make it a little more standard worthy. <laughs> yeah, so that's my that's, monologue. <laughs> no, that's awesome. I mean, you you so nicely unpack so many things in there. This is Kelly, and it, it definitely resonates with me. Laura knows that um, I'm not a big convince and convert fan. Um, I think that in marketing, when you do that, you're setting yourself up, maybe it works a little bit better in the B2C world, but again, not in, mm -hmm. in the context in which you've described it, but certainly in the B2B world, you're setting yourself up for, you know, just um, not a good relationship, right? You're going to be squabbling mm -hmm. over the scope of work or the fees because someone isn't truly uh, buying into, doesn't really embrace the real mm -hmm. value that you're bringing to them. And so there's so much of what you talked about that really resonates with me, um, you know, and, and that's a word that I would use. Like I'd rather reach and resonate with someone on the, mm -hmm. the emotional and cognitive levels in which they make a decision. And I think too, creating real value for people, something that didn't exist before, something yeah. that really improves their lives, right? That's what it's yeah. supposed to be. The exchange of value, that's consumerism, right? It's not the manipulation of our perception of the value <laughs> you may or may not be getting, right? Precisely. So I, yeah. Exactly, right? So I think for us and Laura included, I'll speak for Laura if you don't mind, Laura, um, you know, like this idealism and altruism, I think are really natural mindsets for us. And it's very clear for us to see what the potential is in what you're doing mm -hmm. and what it's, and, and for others, for many stakeholders. So I have a question for you. Um, what are then are your thoughts? Because I feel like we're kind of in that same ballpark. And I know from my own work, I'm also trying to create a sea change, right? Helping organizations mm. build strategies based on what works rather than what's broken and what's possible <laughs> rather than focusing on what's missing, right? Mm -hmm. So let's call ourselves protagonists in this big play of life. And what are your thoughts then on how being a protagonist fits into the realities of today's market? Are we still in David and Goliath mode? Is it changing? <laughs> Honestly, God, I love that you laughed. That's I don't a big know. question. <laughs> well, it, it honestly, um, this is probably where my mindset comes into play the strongest because I, I actually don't think we have a choice any more than to take ownership um, mm -hmm. as businesses, as economic powers. Um, I would go as far as saying that um, we've kind of like slacked off a bit and let government take care of things that we should actually be doing um, right. as businesses, as industries. Um, one of the best examples, I talked with a friend about the homelessness in Vancouver, and we just talked about what if real estate took on homelessness? <laughs> what if the industry right. of real estate reimagined what's possible? Because as entrepreneurs, as business owners, as protagonists, we have the unique ability to see, like you said, what's possible and not what the problem is, but actually what, like, totally mm -hmm. out of the context of the problem, what is possible on a, on a totally, in a totally new realm, in a new world, if you will. And so... That is where I think we need to all land, which is why I do what I do in my business, because I believe that if you have a true purpose with your business and you take ownership in that way of like whatever corner of the world that you occupy, um, 
and really start taking responsibility, then I do think that we have Mm -hmm. a much bigger chance of actually creating the kind of welfare that we want for every single person and being on the planet, as opposed to this like competitive, um, I don't know what the mindset is behind it. I really, I can't comprehend it quite, um, how, how much we need to be against each other (laughs) instead of collaborating. Um, but I do think that these, like these mindsets, the, the mindset of being a protagonist and taking it on, as opposed to, sort of letting someone else take care of it um, is just the only way to go forward, to be honest. And that's probably a little bit of I, a call for a riot, but I don't know. I know. We love that, right? <laughs> I mean, mm-hmm. I think that's that's the, the heartbeat of it. And I, another thing came back to me. I loved it when you mentioned the tripwires, right? Because I, when mm-hmm. you think about it, and I think digital marketing in some way amplified a lot of the command and control language that we use in business mm-hmm. that I get why it's there initially, but we have to ask ourselves, do we, does that serve us any longer? And when you're sitting around a conference table thinking, what tripwire should we put on our target with the tactics that, like, I'm sorry, who, who are these people that we're trying to, you know, enter into a relationship yeah. with and want them to, you know, build loyalty with them? <laughs> I know. Is going to do it, right? But that's me and the power of words. So. <laughs> no, I actually I'm currently concocting a post about this because I absolutely want to dis like I don't know what to call it but like this military my vocabulary. I just right. want to not have militant mm-hmm. language or aggressive language like even deadline or a shot in the dark or just all of these like right. very aggressive terms or militant terms it does right. th- like it's not necessary. It's a very yeah, it's an outdated way of looking at it's hierarchy outdated. and, you know, systems. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I get it. And I think, you know, like so many other things, there was a time and place for things. And, you know, people who were returning from war, lots of times their only leadership experience was what they had experienced in yeah. their time in, in service. So it would be natural that you would apply that. But we have some other additional information now. We have some new theories <laughs> and more research has yeah. been done, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you for that. Thank you, Alex. Mm-hmm. So I love the language component too. Kelly knows I'm a huge language nerd. And, you know, I think of, you know, we're all in service-based businesses. And, you know, I think our language as business owners is really part of how our clients find us and, and the right people find us, right? Like it's the messaging, it's the language. And, you know, Alice, I'm really curious, like, do you see certain sectors uh, or certain industries being more interested in, you know, this ethical movement in business, or is it really just about the people who are the decision makers? What have you seen? You know, it's, uh, it's interesting when you um, put your flag in the ethical ground, because it's, um, we have very clearly identified for us that we are interested in how we sell and how we market and not so much about and our movement is not as much about how do people do business ethically, if that makes sense, if that distinction makes mm-hmm. sense. Um, mm-hmm. Because honestly, there are so many industries that are that are doing things in the ethical realm uh, and industries that are really trying hard to also because they have to, because people are now expecting them to, um, to step up in that way. One of them being the fashion industry or the God, I mean, there's there's a lot of um, sort of supply chain, let's say businesses or corporations that I think are having to sort of like rethink how they do things and fair trade and organic definitely have like a standard in that that I think would be like a good place to start 
for anyone and then, you know, um, B Corp as well. But uh, I, mm-hmm. I think that honestly, and this is where the ethical move came from also was that um, I do believe that small online businesses are actually going to form the new economy. Um, I think we are definitely changing in into a virtual direction. And I think that we are on course to setting the rules of how this game goes more and mm-hmm. more. And I think that we're a lot more limber and a lot more sort of agile in how we um, experience the world and how we adapt to it. Um, and so I think, and this is why the ethical move targets specifically small business owners <clears throat> and marketers, because we do believe that this is sort of like the tidal wave. We have strength in numbers. Um, if enough of us actually require um, a change and enough of us are consumers ourselves. So we're a lot closer to the heartbeat of our own companies and therefore a lot better to decide from that standpoint. And I think it just, yeah, I think that this sector, particularly the online sector, especially with the year that we've had, is mm-hmm. gonna is going to impact how the, the sort of way we do business or the way the rules that we want to set around it. Um, yeah, if that answers your question. Yeah, it does. And it actually makes me think, you know, something you said really stuck out at me. And you're right, obviously, like, we're business owners and we're consumers. Um, Mm -hmm. And I know, you know, I've definitely made a lot of shifts in my consumerism in the last 10 months for multiple reasons, for reasons of, Mm -hmm. oh, everybody stopped buying right around March. I don't know what happened, but (laughs) 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 to well, I don't know that I necessarily feel comfortable running to, you know, a local big box store at this point, you know, for, you know, for health reasons to, uh, you know, I feel like it's critically important um, to vote with my dollar, like just as a human mm-hmm. being on this planet, like I want to go to bed and look in the mirror and feel good about my actions. And it's progress, not perfection. I have a million miles to go, but I feel like at least being on the path is important. You know, how do you see your, you know, so look, I, this is Laura. I work with one-on-one people all the time. So I'm always fascinated with like the inner workings of your brain. Like how do you see your personal values impacting, you know, the movement and the work that you do in your business and, and vice versa? How does the work that you're doing impact your personal choices? Like what you're hearing on the Doing Good Business podcast? Then you'll love working with Laura or Kelly. Visit doinggoodbusiness.com forward slash the host to learn about them and how their services can help you do good business. Um, I actually don't believe in the separation at all. So my work is who I am uh, and my values are my personal values. So I have, I actually don't see the distinction. And I think a lot of business owners that are sort of, I guess, suppose like us um, will see it similarly. And the notion that it is separate, that our economy and our lives are Mm. separate entities is kind of also an outdated (laughs) I think an outdated system that lets us off the hook it lets us off the hook as as employees but also as mostly as business owners so um to me what has mostly happened and this has been true forever I think is that um I kind of have an out of sight out of mind (laughs) thing uh that I just don't if I don't see it I don't want it and this is partially also why the ethical move exists right uh I live on an island in the middle of the ocean. I don't really have the opportunity to go anywhere. And when I go online to shop, I just, the places that I could actually go and feel like I want to spend my money are not, like either it's actually the price it should be, which is a little out of my budget range. And then I kind of go, well, it is that really something I need? Do I need this new kimono or do I need this new 
like thing that I want just because it's comfy? Um, or can I just make do with the yoga pants I already have? <laughs> um, right. I just kind of, I just slow down in general. And this has kind of been my philosophy for a long time. It's like, if I really want it, then I give myself 24 hours to think about it. And if I still <laughs> want it, then I, I get to sort of like evaluate and look at what's possible. And then for that reason, it's just really fantastic how many businesses are starting to become part of bigger organizations or bigger sort of platforms where you get to learn about what businesses are ethical or how they make their products or who they have in their supply chain. Um, and like which businesses are clearly just greenwashing or wokewashing or all of these mm. washing mm -hmm. terms um, that really, if you look at how they treat their factory workers, you couldn't honestly get yeah. on board with it. But then, like you said, a million steps to go. Like I still... I have my family in Switzerland. I still have to take flights to go see mm -hmm. them. I still have, you know, I still have ways that I'm consuming that um, is harmful. Um, and I don't quite know how to change all of it, but definitely in like the immediate short-term consumption, I, I, I really dread going to the mainland. <laughs> so I don't really want to, I, yeah. So I don't buy anything. <laughs> I mean, I will um, say like as somebody who, you know, definitely has, very deep rooted perfectionist tendencies. I would rather have a planet full of people doing something rather than mm -hmm. everybody sitting back and not doing anything because we can't do it perfectly. Right. So if you're yeah, making right. a consumer decision after taking a pause and PS, like pausing in every, every facet of life is really the keys mm -hmm. to the kingdom. Like if we can all just stop reacting and give ourselves a beat mm -hmm. and then make a response, the world would be such a better place, but really like, mm -hmm. I feel like for anybody listening, if you're looking for a takeaway today, just a small thing, a small thing or two, you know, can you find that product? You know, first of all, do you really need that product to your point, Alice? And second of all, like, can you find it in, you know, a black or indigenous owned business? Can you find it in a small business to support? And, you know, obviously within your budget, everybody has financial concerns, but just to take that beat and to think about, do I want my money to support does my money in this instance support my values like that yeah. that I think is what I'm hearing yeah yes cool. and does it so does it support a sustainable long-term goal yeah I want those kinds of businesses to be able to survive and thrive and I also uh -huh. want to have a product that actually will last and be you know useful to me for a yeah. long period of time. And I think, I think that has shifted a bit. Uh, I have mm -hmm. a friend who takes really good care of her clothes um, not because of wanting to keep them forever, but because it, when she brings them to the thrift store, she wants to, she wants to not throw clothes away. So she wants them to be able to be reused, which is never mm -hmm. a thing that I had considered as I'm wearing my clothes. I could throw yeah. holes and, you know, rips and tears, but now I'm thinking, okay, so I don't actually want to misuse the things that I have. Um, yeah, it's maybe it's an old way of doing life, but I think that might be something we should bring back. I couldn't agree more with both of you, and I want to thank you both for teeing me up for this question because we're looking at what the consumer can do, <laughs> you know, and, and these are really good things, and, and I'm behind, I think Laura speaks for me, you know, when, when she said, well, first of all, yes, recovering perfectionist, and two, um, you know, do something. Don't let that hold you back from doing something, but I would be remiss if I didn't ask this for our audience. From the entrepreneurial side, from the business side, how does being more ethical in marketing 
specifically impact results, meaning like are there different metrics that you could help our entrepreneur, our, our audience of entrepreneurs understand what should they be keeping their eyes on? Um, are there different things they track? What are the meaningful indicators that let them know they're on track to make the difference that they want to make? Hmm. Yeah. As well, opposed I think to just, you know, the, yeah. the, the financial bottom line, right? We know what those of metrics course. are, right? Average cost of sales, average you know, inventory, <laughs> yeah. all that kind of good stuff, you know? I think, I think we need to, I think we need to go back to the drawing board. I, I feel like I'm mm-hmm. just saying like, let's just revise everything. <laughs> That's right. That's messaging. fair enough. Sure. Let's Sorry. do it. Um, well, the drawing board would be for me in this instance, um, what are, what are your KPIs? What is a key performance indicator for you in overall in your business? Um, is it time? Is it money? Is it, you know, friendships, relationships? What is the thing that actually mm-hmm. has value to you, like true value? If we all say, oh, you know, money doesn't matter in the end, like, okay, well, then what does matter? And then right. center what you're creating around that as opposed to having this idea that numbers are going to give you um the life that you want. If that, that's probably right. very deep. But the, the metrics yeah. that I see that we can follow is what kind of clients are coming my way? Is Are they the type of people that I actually want to work with that really get what I'm here for and actually want to do the same? Because those are the only people I really want to work with. Um, the ones that are willing and able to actually benefit from what I'm creating um, by taking ownership. Um, or another one is, is the product that I'm selling, like this is sort of where the whole pricing change started is if you can't sell it at 297, then uh, at 300, then selling it at 297 is not going to make a difference. Like what is your product really worth then? Or what are you really making? Is the product even useful or necessary? So I think it kind of make it, I think selling ethically and having, having integrity with how, with how you price things and how you interact with your community really brings it back to what am I actually creating? What value does it bring? And, and mm-hmm. where, where do I need to sort of identify gaps and see what I'm, what I'm missing if, if the numbers don't add up? Um, because right. that, that to me just, it creates a different market. It might mean that you have to let go of, I don't know, 90% of your followers. And I, that might smart a little because you like your numbers to be high. But <clears throat> what if the numbers were a really bad way to, to, to to um, assess anything, really. Right, as you said, right, you know, you're going to cuddle up with your numbers, so, and I think, (laughs) you you know, just literally exactly what I was thinking, Kelly, thank you. Your numbers are not keeping warm at night. (laughs) Exactly, so, you know, but what if you flipped it and looked and said, what are, what things are working, right, what things are selling, because, you know, there's something going on. So if you have, whether that's across other products or other services, you can look and say, well, where are my stars, right? What's really working here? And how can I replicate more of that in what I'm doing? I also think um, I'm a Mm -hmm. big fan of pay what you want pricing for things like Mm -hmm. this, because I think that's also an effective um, gauge, you know, instead of investing maybe in the market research, you can always put a floor on like, okay, this is the recommended price, right? <laughs> like this is what keeps mm-hmm. us in business. And then, you know, kind of um, set other things so that people, because people value things differently. So that's why I think it's so hard to come up with that one singular price, right? Because for someone else, yeah. this could be a real game changer, mm-hmm. right? I do. I do think there's a couple of places to look with that though, um, because I'm not a hundred percent sure that a sliding scale, I mean, this is going to sound really harsh, is ethical. Because okay. we are asking 
for people to pay differently. And this is like, this is why we're calling the ethical movie conversation because we are still conversing about this, right? <laughs> because we're, we're trying to define whether or not, you know, if, if you are going to have a sliding scale, let's say for a group program, what does it mean for the members of the group? Like, will it potentially create harm? Um, it just, it's something to think about. Um, if you, if you are actually looking at your people and your audience in a way where you truly identify and you truly understand where they're coming from and you really get where they stand, you can create products and services that specifically let them be part of what you're creating. Um, right. And that's or right. let that's that my, part go. Idea. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. I do. Yeah. I do think there's something there to, to sort of like evaluate. And how we value our price. Yeah. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. And I want to use one of your quotes. If you see a broken system and call it by its real name, you're at the (laughs) fight. But choosing to work and use your skills to reimagine what's shattered, that's how you enter the ring. And that's what we're talking about here, right? So, okay, it's one thing to say it's broken. Let's start having the conversations then that, you know, shift what we're focusing on, shift the tone and direction of our conversation so that we can open ourselves up to these, some of these other possibilities. Absolutely. And I think it goes back into what you were saying about being a protagonist. I think it does require those stakes in the ground, even if they're not the final answer, they certainly will create some fallout, <laughs> a place where right. people can go look and, and converse and have have those mind bending conversations. Um, and I think that's Agreed. that's what often people are afraid of to really take a stand is because they think that's mind- going to be them forever. You know, I love that mind bending conversations, right? But that isn't mm-hmm. that the heart of an entrepreneur, right? People I agree. Who, are, yeah. who are curious, creative, and now we can add compassionate. That's what makes you confident in what you're offering. Well, and we are capable of burning things down and building them back up. Like that's what we're made yep. for. So it kind of seems like that. the obvious thing to do. <laughs> <laughs> well, it. I think this was a mind-bending conversation. So thank <laughs> you. I mean, honestly, like just the, all of the ways, and you know, like I have the advantage of talking to Kelly a lot and Kelly is great at, you know, reframing in that way in on a higher level. And I just think that having all of these ideas as far as new, the new way to look at things and, you know, what do numbers really mean and, and all of the suggestions has, has been super, super mind bending. So thank you. And, and Alice, I just want to ask you to, you know, share with our folks, what are you excited about? You know, what are you excited about coming up? Where can people find you? What do you want to leave with everybody? What's, what's good that you want to share? Oh boy, I feel like there's so many things. Um, oh, that's great. That's <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> I know. No, the ethical move is really taking some big action right now. We're actually d- diving quite deeply into the diversity and inclusion aspect of marketing and ethical marketing, in particular, um, just because the communication industry, as you may know, is very white um, and it has a lot of work to do. And we believe an ethical world is obviously <laughs> an anti-racist work world. And so we need to find ways in which we can actually combine that. So that's one of our big current initiatives. And then we're also just excited about actually potentially building a business around the ethical move or within the ethical move that can actually provide services and courses and ways for people to learn more um, based on sort of what we're finding out as we're going through our own movement and learning about ethical marketing as a whole. And that just for myself, just being able to actually live in a time where people are taking purpose and ethics and value seriously. I think it's for the first time I feel like my branding services aren't this like weird 
other item that people may also <laughs> then do when they have time. But it's like something where Yay. I feel like it's starting to become the heart of what you're creating. And so that just, it just excites me that I actually get to do the work that I want to do and, and, and actually have the conversations that I want to have. Mm. Well, we will definitely join you in that celebration. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Yeah. Alice, thank you so much. It's been a true pleasure and, you know, mind bending in, in the best of ways. And we hope everybody checks out the ethical move and, you know, for all of our entrepreneurs out there, really think about, you know, how are you bringing your values into things? Are you asking different questions? Um, You know, check it out, start to bend your own mind. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Doing Good Business. We hope you'll tune in regularly, leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts, follow us on Instagram, LinkedIn, and Twitter, and most importantly, tell a friend or a few. It's how we can build the critical mass to make the world a better place through business. The Doing Good Business podcast is brought to you by Laura Heacock of Laura Heacock Consulting and Kelly Stewart of The Positive Business. Learn how you can work with us at doinggoodbusiness.com slash the hosts. Let us know what you like about the podcast and what else you'd like to hear about through our online form on the contact page of doinggoodbusiness.com. We'll see you next time.